for me, it's been a home run in two ways, on the racetrack and also building our brand here in Australia in our business. We finished first or second every year since 05, um, which was... Uh, I knew it was fast before, and I proved it very it's, it's motor racing, you know, you can't really just look at the last race of the year. You have to look at, uh, it starts at Adelaide and it ends at Newcastle. But... From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Hello and welcome to Inside Supercars. Craig Revell again in the driver's seat as Tony Whitlock is still recovering from his bout of illness, but hopefully he will be back on the show very soon. This week's show, we speak to Image Racing's Terry Wyhoon and we take a look at social media and how the supercar teams deal with the negativity that it can generate. But first... Matt Stone Racing has announced that they will switch to Holden immediately following the new team's disappointing start to 2018 in the ex-Penske Falcons. Stone telling supercars.com that the tipping point came at Queensland Raceway when Wildcard was able to finish ahead of the full-time team. The team will not benefit from Triple Eight's support until next year, but they are going to be in a ZB Falcon built by Triple Eight in 2019 as well. Stone is confident, though, that the experience with the Holden in 2017 will provide a better platform in the back end of the season. Jamie Wincup has announced that he'll be heading overseas for his first non-supercar race in the United States, Laguna Seca, for a round of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship in early September. Chaz Mostert is also heading to the US to compete in the Petit Le Mans. That's a 10-hour WeatherTech Sports Car Championship race, which concludes he's going over there to drive with BMW in October between Bathurst and the Gold Coast. Rookie test days were completed by Richie Stanaway from Tickford Racing, James Goulding from GRM and Anton Di Pasquale from Erebus this week, all hoping that the new components and seat time will set them up well for tail and bend. Also testing at Winton this week was Brad Jones Racing and Walkinshaw Andretti United. After the break on Inside Supercars, we look at unsocial media. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, Through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do, um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Social media is an important tool in the Supercars arsenal for getting the news and reports about what's going on in the teams and also across the series. A few weeks ago, Jess Dane on the show mentioned how toxic it can be seeing the comments coming back in sometimes. So I thought I'd follow that up with a number of people in the paddock to find out how they manage that situation. First up, we spoke with Erebus's Shannon Kiley and asked her about how social media has become a bit of a double-edged sword. 
obviously I think the message you convey can kind of um, have an effect on what you get back obviously as I was saying before um, I think the kind of the, the guidelines we've set for our um, content that goes out is very honest and open um, Erebus itself has always been that down to earth um, team that's approachable with a, with a fans team um, we seem to be everyone's second favourite team if that makes sense if it's not their team they're happy for it to be us so I think um, I believe we have a lot of positivity and probably more than some others do um, because of you know your likes of David your likes of Betty they are very likeable people um, but you do definitely get some people that aren't a fan of us for whatever reason that is and that's the same down pit lane everyone has to have an enemy or keyboard warriors are out there so they'll they'll pick on something they'll find something Ryan Walkinshaw is a high profile team owner who also has had quite a high presence on social media um yeah good question social media's got a great amount of value I don't use social media as much as I used to partly because of that reason um the world is always going to have some dickheads who want to go and and and, uh, and be offensive um, online, and uh, you know it's very easy to hide, hide behind uh, an alias and uh, act in a way that you would never dream of acting in uh, in real life. Social media gives that platform to those kind of idiots, but the vast majority, 99% of the people you engage with on social media, um, you know, are fantastic, and it is a great tool that we can utilise, which is great for partners and for people. At the end of the day, you know. In a world where uh, most sports are trying to remove personalities out of a lot of their uh, their sportsmen and their assets, um, social media is a great way to remind um, the fans and to engage with the fans. And you know, as I said, remind them that you know there are human beings here that have personalities, and no one's perfect. Um, and most people, you know, are really, really great to talk to. I love talking to my fans on social media, um, and the value that you get from talking to all the good people uh, is far more it's far more worthwhile. Um, and, uh, and, and it's worth the, uh, the occasional idiot who decides to try and uh, take an opportunity to try and put you down. I mean, you just ignore those guys and guys. Shannon Kiley tells us how toxic it can get from her perspective. For us personally, or, you know, not personally, but as a business, I th- it could be worse, I believe. I've seen um, some things out there that really aren't nice and for, you know, kids out there or, you know, someone that's got a daughter that's on social media that's going to read it 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 can be a lot worse um for us it's never been that bad i don't believe um we've had some people you know not like the way david or betty does things obviously because they are such characters but i think the support for them has always been greater than the negativity and it's always you know when when we see a comment i got i like to give it a little bit of time um and obviously it depends how bad it is. Some might get hidden straight away. We usually don't need to do that because someone that wants to post something positive will see that negative comment and rebut it and it all kind of works out in the wash. So, um, you know, we allow the negativity because obviously it is an open forum. Um, we don't want to just, um, you know, control it too much. Craig Lowndes is the most popular driver in Australian motorsport. How does he manage the toxic stuff? 
When it becomes a personal attack or a, or a verbal abuse or you know swearing and, and being out of order, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll ask people to, to uh, you know hide it or delete it because it's just not it's not create, uh, constructive, and it creates a lot of angst and anger. Not only just the people they're attacking, but it's a flow-on effect. And then then other people will, will have a say about it, and then it just go on and on and on. It's just it, it's. Uh, I know that Jamie Jamie says that social media gives a, gives a voice to idiots, um, but like it gives it as I said, it gives a voice to people. It's just being constructive about it. You know the the negativity and, and the other thing is that the people have got to appreciate that there is families at the other end. There are uh, people's feelings. There are like we are all human. Um, just because you you say something on social media doesn't mean that it doesn't affect people. Mitch Robinson has come across from the United States where he was working in IndyCar and other sports. He is now the media manager for Tickford Racing. It, it does get pretty uh, aggressive, I guess it would probably be one word to use it. But I think as someone who uses it and is around it close to 24-7, something you have to get used to. Uh, it, it's not. It, it's part of the job. It's not something we enjoy about it. But at the same time, is someone who is with the team every single day and in my case I live with a couple of the mechanics and all that so I'm around and aware of pretty much everything that goes on or at least a good chunk of it you have a better idea much better idea of what's going on than the people who are sending those messages and everything so it's uh it's not always great but uh it's something you can kind of you learn to brush off and you understand that there's much more than meets the eye than it comes to seeing what's on the time charts so uh yeah, again, not fun, but it's part of the job. Ryan Walkinshaw has staff that have to look after the social media channels and I asked him if he's spoken to staff about not personalising the negative stuff that comes in. No, we, we, we do media trading and most of our guys are pretty good. They know, they know where the, the, the line is on what you can post and what you can't post. And, uh, you know, when social media first started, things like Twitter first started, um, you know, you had a, uh, it was quite a new thing to have to deal with that kind of conflict because previously that access wasn't, 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 uh, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't there for fans to, uh, to reach, whereas now I think everyone's just used to it. You just ignore some of the rubbish and just deal with the, 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 vast, the vast majority of, of good people that you interact with, which is, uh, which is you know, quite a special tool. Craig Lowndes. We do uh, our own... Um social side of it i do uh, instagram and twitter um the facebook side of it uh, you know we have help but um it, it could be a very positive tool to have um especially you know to allow people to see where you are if you're doing a signing session or anything else like that but of course as you said the negative side of it is um that it gives people a voice um and not everyone's a big fan so it's it it is something that uh what we deal with it is is it uh, you know we, we try and ignore it as much as we can we're, we're all in big favour of people having an opinion. Um, you know, the incident with Scotty McLaughlin last year at Newcastle, um, you know, things that, uh, you know, about even my retirement, you know, people had an opinion on. Um, all for people having an opinion and, and having a voice. Um, I have no problems with that. But when they start getting personal or they start getting nasty, that's when I have a problem because it's, you know, you've got to be constructive. You know, it's no use get, you know, being a keyboard warrior sitting at home or wherever you are thinking you're smart. You know, I've actually I've replied to a couple of people saying, you know, I hope you say that to my face because, you know, it's very easy to sit at home and, and be a keyboard warrior. But, you know, it's for me, I think the biggest thing that, that, uh, that we see and... and um, is a lot of the, the fans that are positive towards 
us and, and anything else and whatever we've done like the Scotty McLaughlin incident um, you know that they, they do shoot them down because you know it was an incident um, it was a racing incident it wasn't um, you know in a personal way or attack or anything else hence why we made the conscious decision to make a, a photo of all four of us and say look we're over it like you guys out there need to get over it too I know that we've got passionate fans uh, but it is really one of those things that uh, you know we we race cars because we love it and we enjoy it um, everyone, as I said, everyone's got their right to have an opinion. Let's just make sure it's a constructive one. Shannon Kiley again. When it is truly just hurtful towards someone, I believe, obviously everyone's allowed an opinion, but it's how they say that opinion. If they say, you know, excuse the language, but Dave's an idiot. Yes, he is. Mm. Of course he is. But, you know, if it's if it's something that really is just kind of getting you know a personal attack on someone that's when i think it's not very nice um or you know a a sponsor or a partner we need we need to protect them as well and that's probably you know just as much of an asset as our drivers or our team owner um than anyone else because obviously we're here to represent a brand and do that correctly mitch robinson i think the baseline is if you can't say it on tv you shouldn't have it on your social media comments uh so that that's kind of a personal one we don't have anything necessarily written uh if there's something that comes up in question that either i or another one of our staff see there's a conversation about it and then it's sort of a case-by-case thing uh so any major curse words honestly is a pretty easy one to get rid of but if it's talking about you know so-and-so is doing this better than you or something like that that's just conversation and that's what social media is designed to do is create conversation so even if somebody's making a little bit of a dig at us, we also have plenty of other fans that will come to our defense on that. Uh, and that's the great thing about having uh, being a part of such a team that has such a loyal fan base with it, and Supercars in general. Uh, the fans are so loyal. So it, it, it's banter, and it's stuff that, like I said, you kind of brush off, and that that's good and bad. Uh, the positive comments and the negative ones, you kind of say, yeah, that's great, or, oh, that's too bad. But... Uh, yeah, it, most I'd say 99% of the time it gets left up there. But if it's something that's really bad, it, you, you get rid of it. Um, but overall, it's a place for the fans to have that conversation, and we can engage with that as well at, at times as well. Sounds like you haven't had to, you haven't had to hit the delete button on many then. Very few, yeah, very few. Are you the final arbiter? Yes. So it's your call on whether it could stay or go yeah um we also we've got a couple of us that are kind of that can see it um and sometimes it might be a discussion that i have with barry ryan um obviously who's the the top of the food chain that other than betty um then we might discuss how we do it you know you might sometimes get people that as well and i'm sure everyone else has the same issue that they're not necessarily just how do i say it they're just there to have a dig you know it was the same as when there's still people on there that go i can't watch it on foxtel you know it's gone off free to air that happened years ago get over it but they still just want to complain so you might just get the the people that you know a a few not very many that just will say something bad on everything you post and that's you go mate if you know if you like our page like us if you don't like us you can click unlike and you don't have to follow us anymore um, and you know we'll we might message them nicely and say hey we don't appreciate what you're saying if you want to be part of our team we'd love to have you but if you don't then please feel free to click unlike <laughs> you've worked for a, a number of other teams as mm-hmm. well have have you seen a change 
in the way people are interacting on social media and have you seen it get worse or better? Um, probably very similar. I, it, I think people have always, as I said, it's an open forum, so people always, you know, say have their opinion and say that they want to. Um, the biggest change I've seen from going to different teams um, is I really truly believe, I know I was probably biased or I'm not, but I really believe that there is a lot of support out there for us and more than that negative. Um, whereas some of the more corporate teams, we'll call them, um, there is a lot more negativity because I guess, you know, Erebus, even though we're trying to get rid of it, um, but we've always been that underdog and people really gravitate to that. So that's the big, that's the most refreshing thing really that I've noticed in the two years I've been at Erebus that there is a lot of support and that does make my job a lot easier. How do you manage to not let it affect you? When, when something might go wrong and it is getting fired at you, the negative stuff, you work with all these people, mm-hmm. they're friends as well as colleagues, they have to be to work the hours you work with them. How do you then not get personal? Have it not as a personal attack at you? I suppose you've just got to be the bigger person, and a lot of people online only know what they read, whether that's right or wrong. And you know that without being, you know, cocky, you know that you know better. We know the whole story, obviously, being in this industry. So. Okay, you may not like that person, but they're actually a really great bloke. Or, you know, it can be race-related or anything. You know, vision goes out and um, someone might get blamed for something that, you know, it's only half... The, there's always three sides to a story, really. So um, it's just knowing all the facts and going, you know what, it's not all that bad. And there are the keyboard warriors, so it's just... you. You don't take them personally because they don't know you personally, I guess. So it's just their opinion from a, a point of view. Craig Lowndes again. Well, you know, you do as much as you can, yes. But then, of course, you do always have or take it on board. Um, and it is, you know, disappointing that, that people do do um, or have a say like that. That's, that. that's the disappointing part of it because, you know, as I said, if it's not being constructive, it's out of line, or if it's swearing and being abusive, well, then, yeah, we're, we're definitely not a fan of that. Mitch Robinson from Tickford Racing. Our guys are actually pretty good about what they post and what they share. Uh, I mean more the comments coming oh, the back comments, to them. Yeah. It's a, they know the same thing. They know better than what the fans do. And we've had conversations whether we're driving somewhere or whatever. It's, oh, do you see what so-and-so commented and what this person said? And it's just kind of a laugh and brush it off thing because it, it is helpful. Again, in terms of the positive things, there's a hundred times more people that will say, you know, go on, you'll get through it, it'll be all right. Um, but as opposed to some people say, you go over the hill if, like, Frosty had a poor run or something like that. Or, um, you know, why, why is Richie in the seat or something like that when he struggled as a rookie at the beginning of the year? So uh, they're pretty easy to brush it off. And you know, they know they're professional athletes. They're in the spotlight. Uh, they're used to the attention, so it's something that doesn't really bother them. And I've never really even had to have a conversation with any of them, to be honest. You have control of your own channels. Yep. What about when the channel isn't something that you control? So Supercars website or, um, you know, Speed Cafe have got comments on mm-hmm. their social media and on their pages and other forums like that. That's definitely harder because, you, as you said, you don't have control. And it's probably... 
Um, the forums where you don't control, obviously, they're a wider audience. As I said, the the people that like Erebus Motorsport on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, they gen- usually, most of the time, they like our team. Whereas on a supercars page or a speed cafe, they can like anybody. So they might, you know, like Wind Cup and hate Reynolds or whatever. So they're, they're definitely the forums where you find more of the negativity. Um, obviously, still positivity as well, but um, they're probably the ones that it's harder to take. And again, uh, the same thing will happen. You know, there'll be a, a bit of a rebuttal from someone that hopefully likes us and it'll you know get turned around and go you don't know what you're talking about mate um but i've never had to but i'm sure you know obviously the whole media department and supercars work closely together and if there's any ever anything we needed changed or whatever that i guess that would be the route to take really but that's a good sign that you've never had to actually go out there and ask for something to be removed or hidden yeah definitely um yeah it's usually there's always going to be fans out there for our team for our drivers so you just you you count on your fans i guess to actually do a little bit of the work for you being the most popular driver in the sport probably means that it's a very small percentage oh look you know everyone around you know here is like sort of likes to, to knock down the tall poppy um, but at the end of the day, we are all human. You know, I still go to the shopping centre, I still go get groceries, I still go and do things at home, doesn't matter what I do or where I've been. Um, you know, we are all human. After the break, Terry Wahoon joins us on Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Bet Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian Times since we've been back, and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Well, Terry Wahoon, it's been a while since we chatted and probably in the 20-year mark, a lot has happened since uh, you finished up your NASCAR racing career and got into team ownership. Although, I guess you were really a team owner when you were racing NASCAR. Well, I was a team owner, Craig, yeah, because I did my own deal, as you know. Um... Yeah, so 99, I think, was the last NASCAR race at Calder, is that right? I think. Would be um, we'd just come back from Japan, and we had one more race at the Thunderdome before um, Bob decided to do whatever he, he wanted to with the place. Then in uh, 2000, the Konica series started, so I had a bit of interest there. Um, having said that, I would be still in the NASCAR category today if it was still going. I love that, you know... Um, it served us well and it was really affordable back then. But anyhow... So you were a dirt tracker first, weren't you? Yeah, I did um, 14 years of dirt speedway and then the oval track with bitchman instead of dirt flying in my eyes appealed to me. It's a lot yeah. easier to clean. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then we, and the good thing for us, when we went to Cola, the little black art of speedway and crossweights and stagger and all that, we already knew a lot of that. And some of these road racer guys that I used to look up to, started racing out there on the oval, 
and um, it was quite good because we could go there and race competitive with spending half the money knowing what we did from the dirt speedway days you're right so um, yeah unfortunately when all that stopped in 2000 we bought a um, VS Commodore um, to run in the Conica series which started at Eastern Creek in 2000 um, that particular series at the time was you know like you could go and buy a car for 50 grand I paid Peter Lawrence for a from cams a vs commodore wasn't real competitive car but it was a category that was they were trying to get off the ground oscar nascar was finished so we had to do something um i ran through in that series for a couple of years purchasing a ex dick johnson el and then i think in 2005 i stopped in it and started leasing cars to to a couple of people Graham Crawford being the first one and then from there on in it's kind of like people have been ringing saying hey can we drive a car and here we are today running two cars in the um, V8 Kumo series which are ex-SBR FG Falcons that we purchased and we also run two cars now in the Dunlop Super 2 series as well leasing them to up and coming drivers so um, yeah stayed in the sport Craig has it been an accidental career? Yeah, it has. Yeah, so it was all about myself going out there, having some fun with some mates. That, buddy, uh, I've still got some of those same guys that used to work with me on NASCAR still here today. Um, and yes, that's right. It was an accidental because I wanted to drive, and then all of a sudden, someone else wanted to drive, and I said, "Oh yeah, well we can we can prep a car, no problem, and you can drive it." And uh, hence, I guess that's where it's led up to today. What's been the biggest change over the years for you? Is it just the dollars it takes to do it, or is engineering-wise the type of uh, the type of people you need to bring to a racetrack now have to be more skilled? What's, where are the differences? Yeah, well, particularly I guess the engineering side of things, you have to be a little bit sharper. And uh, fortunately, or unfortunately, whichever way you want to look at it, I do now employ engineers that have some sort of degree and. Um, which was not heard of back in our day of um, at Calder Park. The rest of the guys, are, like I said, they are, I've still got some originals there that are still spin and spanners, which have been self-taught all the way through, like myself, and are ripper guys. Um, Expense-wise, yeah, yeah, it's outrageous now compared with what we used to do. Um, Super 2, you know, it's a budget for Super 2 now is half a million dollars and up you know even this Kumo V8 program that we run now is expensive compared with what we used to do the other problem is when we raced at Calder it's not a problem but it became a problem because Bob Jane used to offer us um, horrendous prize money and it was paid at the window as you left the track too most times pretty much I mean he used to just deposit it into my account Bob used to pay me appearance money um uh, and we had a lot of sponsorship, and we also used to get a lot of prize money. You know, like you'd win a race out there and get ten thousand dollars. Like that's not even heard of in V8 Supercar Land today. Um, you know, and that was what made it easy for me back then. Now, it's everyone's got to bring their own budget with them. A lot of people who are leasing out cars have this altruistic view of, oh, I'm trying to develop Australian motorsport and that sort of thing. Is that what you're doing, or is is it just really you 
you've got this skill set that keeps you in motor racing and you're able to uh, give opportunities to whoever wants it, whether it be a young driver or an old driver. Yeah, well, I'm, a, I'm, glad, I'm glad you touched on the opportunities. From my point, that's the priority for me. I didn't have too many opportunities. I had to make them, create them myself. Um, these days, I see young, good kids that don't have the budget, so we try and help by um, giving them some sponsorship, giving them all that expertise that we've learned over the years. Um, I don't really charge anything for my own myself if you like you know everything I've learned I just put into it and the shot in the arm for me Craig is seeing these young kids like this weekend here at QR we've got two kids that have never driven a V8 supercar Uh, one of them finished fourth yesterday the other one eighth Um, that's the shot in the arm for me just seeing what you can offer them something the opportunity that they would not get and you know seeing them do well. Now you've been around motorsport a long time And here at QR, you've had a first, a sponsor that has said a sponsorship has been too successful. Can you can you talk us through that? Because it it sounds as far fetched as the stories come. Yeah, isn't that bizarre? I thought maybe a check hadn't cleared. (laughs) No, no, not at all. Uh, Yeah, so um, Young Harley here has had a um, sponsor come on board, which they're quite happy with. They said, look, we don't really want any car space or too much signage, you know. Which is, I think it was more like just to help the young fella out, which was very nice of them. And then last night they contacted Harley and said, whoa, geez, we can't believe the amount of exposure we're getting. And for some companies, they actually don't want that brand awareness because their phone starts ringing and it's taken them away from time that they haven't got. So, yeah, hence we've had to tone the car down a little bit today because, yeah... Some media people don't see motorsport as being, you know, if you don't sit there and watch it, like we do, um, they don't know much about it. But all of a sudden when you've got your name on a car and it actually does get quite a bit of exposure, um, yeah, it shocked them. And they said, can you tone it down a little? So hence we've uh, taken a bit of their livery off. And I guess it also shows the power of an in-car camera as well. Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're terrific tools, you know. We had back in the day at Thunderdome um, some in-car footage that used to ride around in that BP NASCAR with me and um, yeah, you'd sit there and watch it and we didn't really know back then how to utilise it properly. We didn't have decals all over the dashboards and on my helmets and you never had all that $2,000 paint job on your helmet and race, you know, on your race suit. So Back in those days, they used to warn you against painting or sticking on your helmet because it used to weaken the shell. Yeah, I don't know how well that works now. Obviously, they've come a long way. But, I mean, we didn't we didn't utilise it to our full extent because I knew if I won the race, I got 10 grand off Bob anyway. So um, a little bit different these days. I mean, if you looked inside the car yesterday, you've got every space taken up. If that camera comes on, every sponsor's got to get a little bit of bang for their buck if you like is that the hardest part the marketing side of the business absolutely absolutely and that's what i'm saying that there's some really good kids and unfortunately a lot of them are sitting on the other side of the fence and they never get the opportunity so um we just for this year alone we tested 10 young kids um the ones that had a little bit of backing i can't offer it all to them for nothing obviously um, but the ones that had a little bit of backing, we try and work with and, and 
get them to the track, so to speak. What's a logical career path in your eyes? We we hear a lot about, oh, they've got to do this step, that step, take this other step. And, uh, of course, you didn't necessarily go the karting, open-wheeler, NASCAR path. You just started in Speedway and then jumped over? Yeah, well, back in my day, it was always Formula Ford, um, which we couldn't afford. Um, so, look, today, Craig... Really, the V8 Touring Car Kumo Series. If you want to go tin top racing, and a lot of the young kids these days want to be a, you know, a Jamie Wincup, Shane Van Gisweg, and whatever, um, you need to start here in V8 Touring Car Kumo Series, and then go to Super Two, which is the Dunlop Series, and then finally the main game if you can cut it. So, um, you know, it, it, this is the career path now. Drive one of these big heavy heavy cars from from this level it's the third t series here this weekend and then go to dunlop super two and then on to the main game um how many years do you think they need in all honesty because you do see some kids they get pushed just by parents by outside influences which ultimately they whilst they look like they've got a lot of potential and a lot of speed they disappear very quickly as well yeah well they do and a part of that is unfortunately the financial side of it you know, they only get one or two shots at it, some of them. That's why it's so important for us to make sure we supply a good product um, because, yeah, they can come here and, and spend bloody, you know, all their money on one race meeting and if it turns bad for them, that's it, they're gone. Um, and it does vary with kids to kids. You know, we've had some really rippers. You know, we've had Taz Douglas, Jack LeBrock. Um, we've got a ripper young kid now, Jordan Boys from Aubrey, who started with us last year in the Kumo cars. He won the first round. He did two other rounds of Kumo with us, and we thought, wow, he's going great, terrific family. And that's a big part of it for me too. I've got to be able to get on with the whole family because I spend a lot of time with these people. Yeah, there's a lot of Dimmy Dockages in motorsport. Oh, shit, yeah, there is. Yeah, and I can't wait to get rid of them. So, um, and... Jordan and his family have just been terrific. So he moved straight into Super 2 last year with us, halfway through the year. A seat became available, and he's doing his first full year this year with Super 2 with us. So answer your question, it varies, but you lead it. You need to do at least one year at V8 Kumo Series and be competitive. Otherwise, a second year in that, and then move to Super 2. Do you enjoy swinging a spanner or, in this case, managing a team as much as being the race driver? I enjoy driving the best or working on the cars the best, like I've always done. I don't like the management side of it at all, but unfortunately someone's got to do it. And it's a motley old crew I've got. I've had them for a long time and they still need a lot of managing, so I stand here and um, give them some advice. They know most of it, of course. Um, Have a beer with them at the end of the day and that's what makes it special. Has that side of it changed, that ability to have that social and family connection? Not not from me if that changes I'm not interested in being here so um, yeah that side of it's so important to me we ask all these new kids who the two this week I've only met this week come and stay with us they come and stay with us, they eat with us they have a beer with us um, not that I encourage the young fellas to be drinking <laughs> Hopefully beer. they're over 18. Exactly. Uh, that side of it is so important to me, and if I don't enjoy that part, I won't be here. We've seen people like uh, Tyler Everingham in the Utes. He's 15-16. Uh, um, a couple of boys here in that 17-year. Is it? Is there too young to be in this level of motorsport? 
I find, from my experience, when someone says to me these days, and it it seems funny because I didn't start Dirt Speedway until I was 17. I did 14 years of that before we went out the colder and met yourself. These days, I have kids ring and saying, "Oh, the only issue I've got, I'm 20," <laughs> and I'm going. What's the issue with that? And uh, he goes, oh, no, I'm getting on a bit. And I'm thinking, wow, you know what? I'd rather take a 20-year-old than a 16-year-old. Um, they, I know they are starting younger and younger. I've got a little boy now myself that races go-karts. He's eight now, and he's been racing since he's five, and he knows everything. <laughs> so, um, no, look, I'm happy to take him in their 20s well and truly. Terry, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you and uh, all the best for the rest of the season for Image Racing. Thank you very much, Craig. Appreciate it. My thanks to Terry Wyhoon. After the break, a final thought next on Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie Stewart at the Grand Prix and I just remind myself of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark, not only on Australian motorsport, but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. This week's final thought goes to team owner Todd Kelly. With a new racetrack on the horizon at Taylor Bend, I was wondering if he had any desire to put his name down to, for a practice session. No, I'd love to do that, and um, I've tried to go cold turkey, so I haven't even hopped in at, a, at any of our ride days or anything, so um, I'm trying to keep it that way. How are you enjoying uh, the role as team owner? It's not too bad. It's certainly easier than, than doing that and driving. It's um, you know taken a big chunk of, uh, of, of workload and responsibility out of, out of my life and allowed me to you know, redirect that extra focus on uh, on this job now, which is good. And um, you know, I, I really enjoy the team that we've built and and the and great bunch of guys and girls now that we've got. So it's uh, yeah, it's um, it's a pretty cool time. It's taken a little bit to get over not being in the car, and when we go to tracks that I enjoy driving on, it's even um, that little bit harder. But uh, at the same time, you know, we've, we've got some really good results going, so it's it's okay. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. Until next time around, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.